The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. The one-two pitch, ball line to Yout, it's short, he throws, it's over! The Brewers have won the American League pennant! Milwaukee, you have a World Series! Hit in the air... Yount makes a great catch, and Juan Diemus has thrown the first no-hitter in Milwaukee Brewer history. Swings, and here it is! A base hit in the right center. He's done it. 3,000 for Robin. And there's a drive in the left field. This is hit well, and it's gone! Morgan a smash up the middle, base hit the center. Here comes Gomez around third. A throw and the Brewers win. The Brewers are moving on on a base hit by Nigel Morgan. Here it is. Yelich sends one to right center and deep. Get up, get up, get out of here and go for Yelich. You're cruising for a bruising with me, Andrew Snyder. Uh, me, Adam McGee. As we talk all things Milwaukee Brewers for the Eurostep Podcast Network and Blue Wire Podcast, it's it's all happening, Adam. The playoff race is at full tilt. Overall, positive weekend for the Brewers, even if it ended with a sour taste. They pick up a game and a half on the Cubs uh, as the Cubs dropped three of four to the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Brewers took two of three from the New York Yankees. It's what we tried to to manifest at the very end of last week's podcast. And, you know, I apologize for not going full sweep. I should have been more aggressive in my uh, in my vision dream casting. So that's apologies there. The Packers trounced the Chicago Bears. Listen to the recap on Talk of the Tundra, GSBN.info. You can find the information about all our podcasts. We're going to talk about Brewers Yankees. We're going to talk about the big week ahead. They're all big weeks now. But first off, Adam, welcome to the Zoom screen. How are you doing? Always a pleasure to be on your podcast, Andrew. Glad um, to have you. I'm doing well. Um, good weekend for the Brewers is correct. Could have been a very good weekend, a very special weekend. Um, maybe that's what we get into. Some of the sour taste wasn't just that one got away in painful fashion on Sunday, but one that could have been one of the signature wins of the season. Um, got away and got away in 
I guess, a fashion that a lot of us could have predicted. Um, but overall, what's the name of the game at this point in the season? Game ground of the Cubs. And the Brewers did that. Division leads back to three games. Most importantly, with the Cubs having played two fewer games, because, you know, that horrible, horrible ruthless stadium, Andrew. Um, that gap is three games, but the Cubs are four back in the last column with games rapidly running out. So Brewers are getting close. All we'll take is something like if they had have swept yesterday, if the Cubs had lost another, I, I think it would have been really close insurmountable. But hey, that didn't happen all at once, but you could do that over over the course of your next two series. Couple of series gaining ground again. And I, I think it's pretty much it. Like it would take a monumental collapse. So good work, Brewers. Shout out to my snakes. Arizona Diamondback, Snake Timber, it's back, Andrew. I wanted to comment on that. I mean, you know, we're Brewers through and through on this podcast. Uh but you know, you just being enraptured by Snake Timber last year, that carrying on to this year, me running into Evan Longoria at the Milwaukee Public Market. You know, we have a little bit of a connection with the Diamondbacks. Shout out to Tommy Pham, a guy we've never said a bad word about, a guy we we long said would just be a injection of energy into any playoff contending team. No, great no, series. no, I, I said lots of bad things, and I will continue to because it clearly fuels him. He definitely seems like the kind of guy who, you know... <laughs> Bad things are, you know, they might get a reaction out of him, Andrew. Who could say? So whatever we're doing there has worked too. So Tommy Pham, we're glad you're not a brewer. Uh, in part because you've done great work for the brewers with another organization. Yeah, uh, there was a propaganda Tommy Pham piece, I think, in The Athletic uh, last week as well. The timing was great. I don't think, uh, I haven't read it yet. I should probably go do that. Uh but the headline was some something along the lines of like, "You think I'm a bad guy? Well, I don't know. I it was something like that. Like it was gonna paint like, oh, he plays with an edge is like a positive. And you know what? If if he beat the Cubs, uh, at the end of uh, next week as well, because they're still on your schedule, you know, by all means, keep keep bringing on the propaganda. I'm fine with it. I wonder how his draft went this year. You know. Yeah. Um. He was really, uh, he was really, I think they lost, uh, yesterday. Now, I think he had a couple hits in that game, uh, but you know, that didn't score a lot of runs. Tough, tough day. And Wrigley Fame was still two for four, but didn't drive any runs and didn't score any runs. I think he was like up all night Saturday, just wondering who he should play in his flex. And that, and that really just got him down. That's probably it. But, uh, yeah, let's, you know, save some for the Cubs next weekend and we'll be very happy. Yeah, uh, Adam, uh, serious travel across the country and for you across the world is kind of like out of uh, out of the cards for us. But, you know, maybe I can rent like a Walter White style RV and just head on down to to Phoenix for for that uh, that series. But anyway, uh, moving on to the team that, you know, we cover on this podcast, the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, like we said, the, two out of three for the time the Yankees. being, at least, you know, snake fever is it's taking grip. Yeah, the you know, like I said, a lot of people coming up to be at the grocery store, Andrew, and are being like, "Is snake snake timber for real this year?" Like we thought it was coming last year, and I was like, "No." Adam said it was a year early, and, <laughs> and now it's here. 
for for people who maybe haven't been listening to the pod since last year with Snake Temper, this is a bit. First and foremost, uh, I was just like, I like, I like what the Diamondbacks got going. I like their young players. I feel like something's cooking here. Maybe they can make the wild card race. And really, I thought, you know what, Snake Temper, it's more real than Craig Temper. I kept hearing this Craig Temper. Wasn't having it, Andrew. Snake Temper's where it's at. We're more, I think, Krogust is what we've got to we got to accept at this point. We can only dare but dream of a Craig Tober. Um, but September belongs to the snakes. I, I long to feel the chill of the Craig Tober air uh, breeze across my neck. Uh, but for now, we focus on the final 20 games at hand. Uh, the first bit of news, I guess we should talk about, and it's, Along the lines of something we've been wondering about for the last few weeks is Christian Yelich was scratched from Saturday's game uh, with lower back soreness. He also did not play on Sunday. Yelich, a guy who obviously had um, a hot stretch towards the middle of the season. We kept talking about, is Christian Yelich back? And now his back is acting up. So no matter what, when it comes to Christian Yelich, we're going to be using the word back. Um had a had kind of a uh or a tough September. Uh, it has been trending uh pretty poorly for him since August. He hit one twenty five, two forty one, one seventy six for a four oh eight OPS and twenty four September at bats. August had a six seventy six OPS and hundred and five at bats. So uh, since since the uh, hot July and June, uh, Yelich had noticeably looked like a guy who. Seemed a little exhausted, and now we have something to tie that to in the lower back issue, which is, uh, I think, some of the conversation uh, that I'd read recently about that was, like, this is something that Craig and Yelich kind of have know they have to manage on an ongoing basis. They know when he, he can give it a go, and they know when he needs a break. And I think, honestly, even if this is precautionary, I think it's a great time to give him a few games off so he can uh, kind of reset and see if he can find something close to the form he found in the middle of the season. But definitely a concern, and, and something I think we'll be keeping an eye on as, as we go forward. I mean, this was essentially the subject of our last podcast. We talked at length about it feeling like a lot of guys are just playing very often, not a lot of uh, rest being dished out. And Yelich was kind of front and center of that, and it's obvious. I mean, this is a good time, but I think a better time would have been a few weeks ago. Um, and just managing that a little bit more steadily. I think it's been apparent to everyone. I know it's been a frequent conversation in our Discord that Yelch needs a break. And I, I don't think the answer is, oh, look how good he looks, and let's just let's burn him out to the point where he's not at that level again. Um, those numbers haven't been good, but it does feel like he still has been able to come up with timely plays. He He's making an impact in a way he wasn't before. But yeah, you want to get him back closer to what he was earlier in the season in time for what looks increasingly like than what we hope will be a playoff uh, run, we'll say. We'll be optimistic and say run rather than series. So it's, yeah, it's good that I guess they're on top of this and everything council saying about it is like yeah he'll be back any day there's nothing major here we're just kind of on top of this and we're managing it but i do think they could have been a little bit more proactive because one way or another you can't deny that it's got to a place where his back is bothering him again 
maybe they could have got there sooner, or maybe this is just a reality for Christian Yelich, given his history in that department at this point, given how long he's been playing, given his age. I don't know, but I, I think to everyone, it's been clear. He could have done with some more time off a little while ago. Um, and if they do get him back, maybe just dotting in more DH and full days off from time to time is a wise move the rest of the way because you want the best of him for when it really matters. And as we've seen when he's at his best this season, like that still is more important than any other player really on the Brewers as to what their ceiling can be if you get Christian Yelch looking like Christian Yelch. So let's hope this helps, but I would like to see them be more proactive than I do think they've been because this clearly got to a point where he needed the days. And has he just been playing hurt for that last while? I don't know. Yeah, you mentioned age and that, you know, me and Christian are, are a month apart. Um, and I guess that makes you we're guys old. a month apart as well. So, we're you old, know, so we're both, there's no, we're both, no doubt about it, Andrew. We're both 31. Sometimes we wake up, our back hurts, and we don't could know you, why. Could you play 162 games a season? I think I'd, let's see. Um, I think I'd die like mid-April. Like, <laughs> first of all, I'd be they'd remove me from the lineup after about a day. But in in this like in a vacuum scenario where where they're like you have to play Andrew every day in an everyday player's role, I think you know towards the end of April something would be broken. Maybe before then, like three flights a week, all this kind of stuff. You know, listeners have heard your cough, and you don't have to do all of that most of the time. There are times of the year where you event too hard, and that's what happens. I uh, like I'm being glib here, but I'm also like, yeah, that's that is tough. Uh, obviously, Christian Yelich and all these players are in much better condition than you or I, and they travel a much better style than you or I get to travel. But still, like that takes its toll. That's grueling, and I think Yelich is someone that maybe getting out in front of it and being a little bit more cautious with would seem like a sensible approach, particularly when you got to a point where he did find something again. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, shall we move on to the series, Adam? The theme in the first two games of this series was the offense pouring it on late. Uh, on the mound for the Brewers in the first game, Colin Ray against Luis Severino. Um, in the the first, or in the third, excuse me, and did... I heard two different pronunciations. Did you ever get a clarification on Dominguez's first name from watching any of these games? Because I watched a little bit of the Yankees broadcast. I watched a little bit of the Brewers broadcast, and I still don't know which one is right. Uh, I should have played closer attention to that, because I'm sure so, I did, and now I'm not actually actively thinking about it. I can't remember. The two pronunciations I've heard were just Jason Dominguez and Jason Dominguez. So uh, Jason Dominguez, homers with I mean, Aaron Judge on base. To make it two nothing Yankees, Jason. Jason is definitely wrong, but that doesn't mean that that's not how it's being pronounced. I'm, I'm just kind I of widely accepted. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not, like it could just be a yeah. Let's just let's just go with Jason, everyone. Um, Jason. I mean that extra S there that might that might make some sense. But you go with what you heard. You are not the perpetrator here. Yeah, it was. Uh, I'm gonna throw the Yes Network desk host under the bus. I don't think it was uh Michael K. It was the desk host or Sterling or wh- whoever was doing the games to the Yes Network, but it was th- the desk host. 
under the bus once more. Uh, Dominguez homers make it two nothing, uh, as she predicted. And sadly for Dominguez, torn UCL. So his uh, next season is uncertain. Obviously, we've seen uh, Bryce Harper tears UCL, come back in DH, and then eventually played the field a little later. So uh, young outfielder, their top prospect um, at the moment, center fielder. I imagine they'll be pretty cautious with him, but so hopefully he's just for the good of baseball back in action by middle of next season. But uh, yeah, he was an impressive player to be sure. Uh, in the fourth, immediately the Brewers get those runs right back. Willie Adamas with Carlos Santana on base ties the game at two. Uh, Colin Ray uh, provided the, the Colin Ray special once more. Uh, four and two thirds innings, three hits. Two runs. They're both earned on the homer. Two walks, six strikeouts. Abner Uribe would come in of relief of him and throw an inning uh, and a third of scoreless baseball. Two walks and a strikeout. 28 pitches for Uribe. Uh, another good series for him. And then in the seventh, uh, the game still tied it to. The Brewers would really pile it on, like we said. Uh, this this game continued, uh, or I guess broke the trend of the Brewers scoring in more than just two innings in a baseball game. Uh, they scored in three different innings in this baseball game. So the seventh uh, being the first big onslaught um, with Brito on the mound. Andre Monasterio starts the seventh with a double after a yellow ground out gets him to third. William Contreras against Jonathan Loisaga singles to left to score Monasterio. Uh, Bill then uh, st- uh, steals second speed kills at him. We've, uh, you know, we've long been saying it. Um, I did. Can we just there? Because he stole a base in the last series too, and I meant to bring it up on the pod. And the one in the last series was actually cleaner steal than this one. Yeah, this is but a, he, it's a little he, swim move. <laughs> he's clearly feeling himself a little bit, and even then, in going from second to home, like he's fancying himself as a runner right now. And he's he's getting away with it. Uh, I I don't want to say oh he's right, but he's he's definitely getting away with it, which is just adding to his phenomenal play overall. But we shouldn't like neglect the fact that William Gutierrez has been like, yeah, I'm gonna steal that base. And you know what? He's successfully stealing bases one way or another. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good Loisaga uh been more alert and gotten him out, probably, but I like the aggressiveness. It was fun. Uh Carlos Santana then follows that with a single. That would make it five to two brewers. Uh or excuse me, four to two brewers. 
Um, Santana ends up reaching second. Uh, South Freelick grounds out. And then Willie Adamas, again, doubles to score Santana. Trevor McGill comes on for the Brewers and throws a scoreless seventh. Good work out of him in this series again as he continues to uh, have found something. In the eighth, um, Mark Canna reaches on an infield single. Joey Weimer pinch runs for him, makes it to second on a balk. Uh, Bryce Terang, infield single, uh, puts runners on the corners. Uh, Terang then still second. Andre Monasterio doubles to score Terang and Weimer. That makes it 7-2. Carlos Santana again singles to score Monasterio. That makes it 8-2. Bryce Wilson comes on in relief in the eighth, throws a scoreless eight uh, in the bottom of the night. Tiago Vieira makes his Brewers debut. Gets the Yankees down in order. One, two, three to close out the game. Brewers win 8-2 with all their scoring uh, or their major scoring when the game was tied coming in the 7th and the 8th. Uh, 16 hits on the day for the Brewers. So uh, a good Friday night um, going into this series. If we were betting on which game uh, they would lose. Actually, still probably would have been Sunday. Actually, Garrett Cole was pitching. What am I saying? Um, but, you know, the Colin Ray starts in every series as we wait for Adrian Hauser to return our uh the games that, you know, you're going to have to use a lot of your bullpen and the offense better be prepared to kind of pick things up. And instead, the bullpen was great and the offense was still great. So a really great start to the series. Seven for 20 runners in scoring position, giving themselves lots of chances to score. And they did. Yeah, I mean, kind of representative of a lot of the games we've seen them have, but in the last kind of couple of months, but nice to see the floodgates open up. Um, and it, this series reminded me just generally of the Philly series from last weekend. Um, kind of pretty similar vibes and just these well-timed moments where the game kind of opens up for the Brewers and they take advantage, which I think that's something we probably have to give them increasing credit for. And I feel like they didn't do very well or in earlier parts of the year, but like, if there's blood in the water, the Brewers are able to go and finish the job off now. And that is something that, for all of the the complaining, um, I don't know do we do that much of it, but certainly Brewers fans do about the offense. I think they've got we... a lot better at taking advantage of meaningful opportunities. Like, it's just part and parcel of how the team is built and of, you know, the nature of baseball you're not going to do that every day and there are days where the offense comes up empty and frustrates you more on that later um but also i i think they're doing a pretty good job of converting in those kind of opportunities getting runs and need to and getting wins out of it like it's kind of been a staple of their host all-star version of themselves and which has had its own ups and downs but well-timed kind of outbursts as you as you said this is a rare exception where all the runs aren't coming in a couple of innings they were getting to three but still these kind of concentrated bursts where yeah they're taking their chances they're they're putting things away so i think they deserve credit for that and that's something for us to be encouraged about going forward too um yeah i i can't remember what exactly it was um one of our listeners uh, posted a, a stat about like where the offense has been since the trade deadline. And I think it was kind of middle of the pack. So not the like third worst offense in baseball that we'd been seeing for half of a season. So like you said, there are, there are uh, positive developments there. Um, Valley sports uh, put up a graphic yesterday um, showcasing who some of the 
better hitters have been on this team since August 18th. I know arbitrary endpoints and everything, but it was some Hannah. class A cherry picking going on there because it's yeah. just that's uh, there's not even two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. It's just it's very random. But go on. Yeah, that's that's Adam. That's baseball, baby. That's uh, you pick you like what date serves my argument. That's what we're putting in the sort, and then we're putting today. Oh, Mark Canna, Carlos Santana, w- uh, Willie Adamas, absolutely crushing it since when? I don't know. This is meaningless Tuesday. <laughs> do you know what the cherry picking is there? Because I can pinpoint it. And you know what? I think they could open it up, and a lot of that would actually hold if they went further. Uh, what was that? Uh, that game was that? That was uh, post- that was Dodgers. They sweep? just yes, they just went. Uh, let's not include that in this sample. So let's start from after the Dodgers swept the Brewers. You know what? Uh, here it was. Uh, since August eighteenth, <laughs> Valley Sports put this up of players with at least seventy five plate appearances. Uh, the Dodgers have four players in the top thirty five of WRC plus. Mark Cannon with one eighty five. Uh, William Contreras obviously 168, Willie Adamas 150, Carlos Santana 149. Uh, so shout out Bally Sports and Logan. Uh, Bally Sports responsible for choosing that date, not not Logan. So, uh, thank you there. Uh, moving on to game two of this series on the mound for yours and our Brewers, Wade Miley on the mound for the Yankees, Michael King. Uh, Wade Miley did not last long in this game. Um, three and two thirds innings pitch. Just one hit, two runs, one earned, three walks, three strikeouts, 84 pitches in the limited work. Um, so getting him out of the game early. Brewers score first in the fourth on a Willie Adamas. Uh, can I can I <laughs> interrupt you there just, just to add in on Wade Miley? Wade Miley yep. was very, very badly failed by the Brewers infield defense. And even I, I thought he was in good position to be going five, let's say. Um, two errors in that inning where he's knocked out is what cost him like the short start um so i wade miley is a lot better than three and two thirds innings actually kind of suggests here on a normal day willie adonis had some really really weird game where he did some good offensive stuff some bizarre defensive mistakes as well and miley was definitely he was hurt by the infield defense in a way that's very uncharacteristic of the brewers infield yeah, Monasterio with the an error yeah. in that fourth, and then uh, yeah, the weird oh, kind really of too, for, yeah. the weird kind of force out decision there that was not the the right decision. I don't know. Uh, well, yeah, just, just... N- no no conviction was. I mean, you can make the wrong decision, and I think if he'd had conviction, he would have got away with it. The Brewers have got away with some of those lately. No conviction, and then you get cost. So. That that was tough for Wade Miley, and I felt bad for him because it ends up looking like one of his worst starts of the year, and it puts the Brewers in a tough spot and going to the bullpen. But really, it was on the defense. It was on the defense behind them. They could have served him much better, and then that scenario then, I think Wade Miley probably goes five. Yeah, uh, and we're looking at the start a whole lot differently, but that context is important. Um, also, yeah, also look- that context is important. Like, Let's remember that for what comes the next day when you end up deep in extra innings and what pitchers are available and who actually end up bridging the Wade Miley gap. Like the, those errors didn't cost them this game, but they honestly might've cost them another game later in the series. Uh, Yeah. Uh, the scoring starts in a very funny way in the fourth uh, after a Mark Canna single with one out uh, Willie Adamas 
hits one uh, off of the white uh, right field wall. Uh, it allows Cannon to score. Willie's running into third. Wild relay throw by DJ LeMahieu allows uh, Adamas to score. So, uh, little league homer, Adam. Uh, <laughs> the I don't. I don't allows... think I'd seen one of them before. I. I don't think I'd seen. Certainly, I can't remember a Brewers one the past two seasons. I can't remember one being scored against the Brewers, although. There may have been, and I've just chosen not to remember that um, because I don't think I'd want to. But uh, yeah, it was comical and very exciting. I enjoyed it. Yeah, LeMahieu gets the one hop to him on the relay. Don't know why he's throwing it to third, and it gets away and allows Adamas to score. But uh, the best is when maybe like you have a swinging bunt, catcher grabs it, trying to throw to first rifles it down in the right field corner and the guy scores that way so uh that's that's what i want for you next it's at a certain point but they you know we'll take what we can get in in this game uh in the fourth after the the infield defense uh as you mentioned let wade miley down and anti volpe single makes it two to one peraza's fielder's choice uh aforementioned made it two to two and then it's 2-2 until late in this baseball game uh the brewers get good relief from elvis Pagaro. And Bryce Wilson, uh, Yoel Piamps throws a scoreless inning. Trevor McKeel threw a scoreless inning. Hobie Milner threw a scoreless inning. So the the bullpen that got put to work in this game uh, was very good. Uh, in the eighth is when the Brewers' offense would explode. Uh, Tyrone Taylor hits a home run to, to left field to make it 3-2. to two. Mark Canna singles to score South Freelich, makes it 4-2. A Victor Caratini sack fly makes it 5-2. They go to work again in the top of the ninth. Uh, William Contreras single scores Tyrone Taylor and Bryce Tarang. That makes it 7-2. Uh, Victor Caratini walk with the bases loaded makes it 8-2. And Andre Monasterio walk makes it 9-2. So the final two innings of this game, again, the Brewers late in the game just pile on the offense. Bullpen does good work, and they win 9-2. Uh, games where you look at the final score and you're like, oh, that was an easy comprehensive win. It's like, well... They left it late, so we, we still got our patented uh, Brewers baseball. We need to take at least four tumps. Yeah, very much so. I do think the one thing that's maybe worth mentioning here, too, um, the clip that I, I think later went viral, viral, but there was like an old-timers day, I believe the Yankees yes. are calling it, which was their 1998 World Series team were being celebrated. And prior to the game, uh, Willie Adams met his hero, Derek Jeter, and was very, very excited about it. I, watching just some of the stuff Willie was doing this game, I was like, I wonder, is he too excited about it? I wonder, is he too aware of Derek Jeter is watching him play baseball right now? Um, which seems like a ridiculous thing, but I don't think is implausible. Because some of it was, I mean, it's it is quite rare to see him make defensive errors or to see him not be decisive, and there was quite a lot of that early on. But hey, he settled in, and you know, he got to have a little league homer in front of his hero instead. Uh, I had sent, I accidentally sent that clip to my brother. I was trying to send it to someone else that I know that likes baseball. Um, and. I said, oops, sorry, wrong person, but enjoy. And then a few hours later, he replies, that's fine. It was cute. Uh, so that was uh, his take. <laughs> um, excuse me. There is um, also, I mean, again, to get back to what we were talking about, Yelich and, you know, people of elder statesmen like Yelich are like us. Um, when Old Timers Day is celebrating a team from 1998, that is really tough, Andrew. Jeter in particular, because he's a guy that, like, 
marks like me being like coherent and following baseball. So like I'm probably six years old watching him in the 1998 World Series. It's one of the first World Series I can remember. The toughest day for me. There are going to be two days like Freddie Freeman and Christian Yelich retiring is going to signal like those two guys, those guys like in my age range uh, will throw like, I guess Mookie Betts is a little bit younger than us, so, but I'll throw him in that class. Mike Trout, once those guys start retiring, I'm going to be like, yep, time to just uh, send me to a farm upstate. Uh, there's there's no need to keep me around anymore. Um, final game of the series gave us a confluence of, or a, a blending of three three different entities, Adam. And if, if you want to get a really good pitching performance, you need you having all these three together is really important. That's Garrett Cole. That's Corbin Burns. And that's Angel Hernandez. Uh, Burns Cole lived up to my expectations. That being said, the Brewers really made Garrett Cole work early in this game. Like he threw a lot of pitches. He ended up working through it, but for a while I thought he was going to be knocked out in like the six, but instead he buckled down, uh, did throw a lot of pitches early in the game, but eventually settled in as aces do figured out how to, to manage his way through the game. I, I've not looked at the stats recently, but I would venture a guess that he's probably one of the leading contenders for AL Cy Young right now. Um, I'll I'll look at that later. But uh, facing off against Burns, and it was just zeros. Corbin Burns had a no-hitter through eight innings, and the Brewers didn't score, so he was removed from the game. Eight innings, no hits, no runs, had the two walks, seven strikeouts. Um, just dominant for, from Corbin and dominant from Garrett Cole. Seven innings from Cole, three hits, no runs, no walks, nine strikeouts. So both guys just absolutely uh, dialed in. Uh, he uh, Corbin walked two in the fifth inning. That was when it looked like um, he might have had some trouble. Uh, he uh, got out of that jam. Uh, at one point in the game, it looked like he might um, have to exit the game he sprained his ankle fielding an awkward comebacker to the mound at one point and yet uh it seems like everything's gonna be fine there we haven't heard anything um too too much there uh from the milwaukee journal sentinel through 61 percent cut cutters generated eight of his 16 swings and misses there uh burns said we made some mechanical adjustments throughout this week we didn't know how it was going to translate into the game today but i'd say it probably went a little better than expected i'll say so Corbin goes on, you put a uh, plan together, you stick to it, you adjust if you have to, but we didn't have to do too much adjusting today. Uh, council, uh, after that uh, eighth inning, uh, Council said he had no thought of keeping Burns in the game past eight. Obviously, at that point, uh, he's not going to, uh, you know, it, he's going to have to get to the 10th anyway <laughs> if he's going to to close things out after uh, the Brewers sit and score in the top of the ninth. So once once that didn't happen, I thought the decision to go with Devin uh, was the right one, as there, there's no sense in <laughs> like sending him out there when it's past the point of the workload you want for him, and he can't even get the accomplishment anyway. So just a great day for, for Corbin Burns to start. We'll get to the sourness later, but uh, I'll shut up so you can talk. <laughs> uh, I mean... What I wanted to ask first, I didn't see this game. I've I've only seen a condensed game. I was at an Ireland match, so I I unfortunately missed it. And when I started to see like what was unfolding, I was, you know, I don't know if I've ever said FOMO before, Andrew, but I started to 
to feel that way. Uh, this got to be up there for one of the, the best pitching duels of the entire season, anywhere in Major League Baseball, given the pitchers, given the performance. So my first question with that, based on how you set it up to just how hard was Angel Hernandez, Angel hernandez on this occasion? Like, if we give a score of 1 to 10, like... If if let's say the Brewers had carried this off, and let's say they win in the tent and combine no hitter, would it come with an Angel Hernandez very significant asterisk where people would say, "Well," or was it actually, you know, by his standards, one of his better games? Now I haven't seen the scorecard yet, but I'm going to say this was mid tier Angel Hernandez. This wasn't some of the true. Uh, just absolute master disaster classes from from Angel Hernandez. He he definitely had his moments, but I think when we see the scorecard today, and I could be wrong, uh, I think it will not be one of his like ones you're gonna hang up in the the Louvre. It'll be one that is at like the museum in Boise, Idaho, and you know that someone did someone a favor. And Idaho can now see at least one Angel Hernandez piece. Okay, well, that's good to know. There's nothing fake here. Um, I mean, it's just the kind of big-time stuff we want to see from Corbin at this point of the year. Corbin does continue to be really, really confusing because it was only the last episode where we were talking about, well, look, we've got to stop, like talking about him like he is something that he hasn't been at all this season and then he goes out and goes eight, eight without a hit uh, yeah, on 109 pitches so definitely the timing is good if he wants to string a few of these together the problem is that we're probably just as likely to see him give up four or five earned runs in his next outing based on what he's done throughout the season I hope that's not the case but from what I did see he and Devin looked to do a great job Admiral Uribe with some you know, some significant help from the outfield and carry that on. And yeah, it's kind of just a pity what happened from there. It was a pity. Uh, let's carry this game to the 11th, Adam, after that scoreless work from Williams and Uribe. Do we need, should come- we zero in on the 10th, though, on Uribe? And just it, do you want to? I mean, you watched it live, so you could speak more to it, but the South free like catch. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Um, Obviously, two outs in the inning. Yankees trying to to get themselves a walk-off win in the bottom of the 10th. Uribe on the mound. Uh, Anthony Volpe hits one into the right center field gap. Sal Freelich leaping on a converging Joey Weimer at the wall. Contact made. Sal Freelich makes the catch. Uh, and Joey Weimer takes the worst of the uh, interaction. Sal bounces up excitedly after making the catch uh it, right now it sounds like just like a laceration in the mouth for joey weimer but uh yeah our our two our two uh beautiful baseball boys converging on one another uh and makes an exciting play to preserve the no hitter preserve the game period at that point and uh yeah it, there's no shortage of scares and excitement at that moment I do feel like the play had big freshman energy too, like with their whole, their personalities, everything we know about them. Um, it could have ended very badly from an injury perspective, even from a baseball perspective, like Sal could easily have dropped that or not made the catch because they collide. Um, but 
both of those guys have made really incredible defensive plays um, out at the wall, really kind of all season long. In Weimer's case, Weimer got a lot of that shine early in the year, um, stealing a homer and was coming very close on another couple of occasions. And obviously some of the things Sal has done since his call-up have been outrageous, but they will put their body on the line and they will track down any ball and hey, that's exciting to watch. It's exciting to watch them come up in a big spot like that. And I, I think it's great for your bullpen too. Like that's a big moment and you can see like what it means to Abner Uribe when that comes off. It must be great for a reliever, particularly if it's the final out, to have one just get away from you and to have, oh no, oh no, oh no, and be saved like that. And I think that they're kind of important bonding moments. Um which, you know, the reliever still got to give us outfielders a chance to to save him is, the, is I guess, the, the key thing here. That is the key thing, Adam. In the 11th, uh, Nick Ramirez on for the Yankees. Uh, Bryce Strang ground out moves uh, zombie runner Victor Caratini to third. Tyrone Taylor single up the middle, scores Caratini, makes it one nothing. Brewers uh, take uh, coming on for the Brewers in the 11th is Yoel Piamps. Uh, Piamps, unfortunately unable to get the job done uh, after a Pereira ground out moves Anthony Volpe to third with one out Cabrera doubles to right to score Anthony Volpe. That makes it one to one and sends us to 12 innings after Yoel Piamps is able to get out of things. Uh, let's move to the top of the 12. Finally got that video to stop playing in my ear. Uh, Ramirez still pitching for the Yankees. Curious decision by Aaron Boone as Joey Weimer performs much better against lefties than he does righties. Weimer responds by doubling the left to score Carlos Santana, makes it 2-1 Brewers. After a Willie Adams fly out uh, to center, gets Weimer to third. Uh, sliding doors moment, Adam. What if that Adamas ball had left the ballpark? Oh, man. Uh, anyway, an Andre Monasterio sacrifice fly scores Joey Weimer. That makes it 3-1. Victor Caratini strikes out. We go to the 12th. Let's set the scene, Adam. Uh, obviously, Glaber Torres on second as the inherited runner. Giancarlo Stanton at the plate. Andrew Chafin enters the game. Craig Council said after the game he was down to three choices in that situation for reliever. Andrew Chafin, Hobie Milner, and Diago Vieira. And he went with Chafin. Stanton homers to center. 3-3. Gets out of the inning after that. Still tied 3-3. Yeah, I think one of the things that Adam McAfee tweeted was that he was not he was hesitant to use Hobie Milner, who he would have to use eventually anyway, uh, because of the matchups in the Marlins series, four games in four days, and he figures to have to use Hobie a lot. I don't like it. I don't like using Chafin in any game of consequence. I don't like using Chafin, period, at this point. It's another failed midseason act. Uh, reliever acquisition and I get the tough situation he was put in like you said by Miley and Ray both not having uh, long outings having to get a lot out of your bullpen but at that point with everything that game had seen use a guy that gives you a chance to win and go win the game in a very tough spot I'll fully acknowledge that and not be an asshole like I normally am but that's that's where I come down on this yeah, but the the problem is like we've given him some credit recently because he strung together um three consecutive scoreless appearances, which it's worth noting before that, 
Um, he allowed runs in four of his five outings to finish August. And when I say he allowed runs, that's three earned runs against the Rockies, one against the Dodgers, three earned runs against the Rangers, and two earned runs against the Padres. So, like, this is runs in bunches. Um, in one of those games, he doesn't get a single out. In another, he only gets one out. Like, just catastrophic. Like, he honestly, he could have just been out of the equation by then. But then he builds it up uh, in a way where he's getting into games earlier. There's lower stakes. And we gave him some credit for that. And it's like, maybe you can build it back up. I The one thing I will kind of push back against and look this could completely backfire but i think on what chafin has been doing how craig has been using him and how it seems to have been working why did the one and a third to bridge the wade miley gap not go to andrew chafin the day before where like you're early in the game if it goes poorly you still have time to get back into the game and also it's where he has started to look a little bit more successful in that kind of spot um, I did allude to it earlier anyway. I do think those two Brewers errors that stopped Miley from going deeper in the game, like that's the difference between potentially having Peguero available here. Craig saying he wasn't available of the three guys he was considering for that inning. I think that's a pity he didn't pitch in the first game of the series. I know he went one of a third one and a third, and he usually only goes one inning. But I, I think there's a couple of elements there, which is one really maybe this is a spot to put out Peguero and try to get your win. And if you're going with Chafin in the next series, well, you're going with Chafin then. But beyond that, I, I do think the spot for Chafin would have been to pick up after Miley. And if that goes wrong, that goes wrong. And what can you do? You weren't on the verge of winning that game anyway. But giving the ball to Andrew Chafin with a lead in extra innings, like there has been nothing shown to do that and i know it ultimately doesn't work out for hobie and that's how the game goes anyway but i think like hobie should get that slot Thiago Vieira should get that opportunity he's only pitched once he did okay like you just i i do have more uh more confidence in him which is a real indictment of chafin but it's also then what is the cost of this as well because you maybe you were slowly building chafin back up and you could have had a version of him that's useful like, that's just tanked again. Like, it's just, I know you trade for him for these kind of moments, but he's blown up multiple games at this point. Like, the Brewers have generally done a good job of hanging on or recovering, uh, in part because so early on it was apparent, okay, we don't want to use this guy in close games, that he was being put in games where they had a big lead and then he was making it a small lead. He's like giving Devin save opportunities. Uh, this just kind of has to be it. Like, he, this goes into the conversation we had about Brian Anderson last week, and this, I'm not comparing Brian Anderson to Andrew Chafin because he certainly doesn't deserve that, but it's kind of like, I, I don't know how Chafin is pitching at this point. Like, I don't know how you can put him back out there because you just can't trust him in a situation like this. And if that's the case, you should probably just be another arm. Um, maybe this is where we talked about uh, J.B. Bukowskis and not necessarily getting a fair shake of it. Uh, would he do better or would he do worse? I'm going to venture that it's kind of tough. I mean, we have seen Clayton Andrews do worse than Andrew Chafin has done, but I don't know if that's kind of a lock. Who knows? Maybe even Clayton Andrews wouldn't do that poorly if he wasn't put out in Pittsburgh, which seems to be the city that haunts his dreams. 
but I, I really, I think there's a few elements here. Like, I, I think Craig could have approached it differently, but also he's on your roster and you're going to turn to him. And then he fails. It's not Craig fails. He has a chance to really go and grab this again and for, for us to be saying, yeah, Andrew Chafin matters and he's relevant and they can play him. And this is the complete opposite of that now. Well, he talks about playing matchups in the Marlins series with Hobie. Play the matchups in this game. Giancarlo Stanton has a 980 OPS against lefties this year and a 661 OPS against righties. You got uh, Stanton, Kiner Falefa, Volpe, all right-handed hitters lined up in that inning. Just give Vieira the shot and Mm -hmm. see if it works out. Um, Can I give the Chafin quote, too? Because, I mean, Adam McCauley reported it was one hung slider to the worst guy you can hang a slider to. That's what it boils down to. It was one of those things where I wasn't trying to throw it anywhere near the damn zone. It's just a terrible pitch, the only bad pitch of the inning. Like, I respect the candor, but also, I mean, this is not a once-off. It's like... <laughs> if you can't put a ball out of the zone when you're trying to put a ball out of the zone, that's that's a problem with your command. Because the, we talked about the walk rate when they acquired him. In hindsight, you know, we I, I don't fault the Brewers for the process of trying to acquire relievers with track record and betting on them, you know, continuing to be good. But also it it rang alarm bells in our mind. I think we looked past it that a contending team was moving on from Chasen Chafin and they went and got Paul Seawald uh, to kind of replace him in that the bullpen. They clearly knew something. <laughs> and uh, that seems to be uh blowing up in the brewer's face uh he's i'm not gonna list off the names anymore which names say that again which names taylor rogers matt bush daniel norris john curtis i don't think all of those are the same like i no, but none of them work i I do think chafin is more taylor rogers I think in terms of story and pedigree and where he's at in his career, I, I do think, I know we all want to go to Matt Bush because Matt Bush is just kind of synonymous with disastrous bullpen arms for the Brewers in the past couple of years. But I I do think this is more in line with Taylor Rogers. And that he's going to go to San Francisco and be good next year. Yeah. I, th- I think that's entirely possible too. Um, Maybe he could be good with the Brewers, but even as you're saying, like there are command issues there, and the Diamondbacks were like, "Yeah, let's move on here. No thanks." So what does that spell out? It spells out the Brewers saw something and they're like, "Yeah, maybe we can fix him." When is the time to fix him? Like there isn't, there isn't a whole lot of time. He's kind of a tough mid-season project. You try your best, but you don't succeed, Adam. Uh. Anyway, there was more of this game to play. After Chafin pitched, uh, Brewers unable to get a run across uh, in their uh, top of the 13th inning. Um, Hobie Milner comes on in the 13th, gets a strikeout to start the inning, and then Kyle Higashioka uh, doubles to score prayer. Yankees win 4-3. Tough ending to an otherwise very good series. Uh, Corbin Burns uh, continues to not get very much run support. Um, Two out of three from the Yankees. Cubs dropped three out of four to the Diamondbacks. Overall, a three-game lead, and like you said, four in the loss column heading into 20 games remaining in the, stand, or in the schedule. Uh, it's crunch time, and uh, 
we look to the Master Brewer leaderboard unless you've got anything else. Uh, no, I haven't. I just I'm kind of curious as to what the next steps on Andrew Chafin are and what the Brewers might look to do there. Um, I guess we see. We'll we'll wait and find out. Aaron Ashby is not pitching great. I know we talked to this last time. I was like, well, he's just gotta gotta get the reps in. Um, he's now pitched three and two thirds innings across three games with the Timber Rattlers. Uh, he has allowed earned runs in his last two, including yesterday, where in a single inning he allowed two hits, a walk, uh, and a home run, which <laughs> not great for a single inning uh, with the Timber Rattlers. The Brewers are going to have to do something, though, with Andrew Chafin. And, yeah, again, I just, like, we're talking about the strain that this run and not having days off is going to put on them. You can't have that guy come in and blow a game for you at this point, like a game that's there to win. It's not that, like, anyone is immune to this. It's like, I mean, they ultimately lose the game um, with Hobie Milner out there, and that's fine. It's like, it can happen. But it's... There's a track record at this point of him just getting blown up when he goes out there, and it just can't continue. Yeah, I mean, you can you can throw guys on the IL for anything nowadays. Uh, Matt Bush had bruised ERA several times uh, on the season <laughs> and uh, was able to be placed there. Uh, anyway, going to the leaderboard, uh, through 142 games, Corbin Burns gets two, Abner Uribe gets one, Devin Williams gets one. Elvis Piguero, Bryce Wilson, Trevor McGill, Diago Vieira, Bryce Terang, Tyrone Taylor, William Contreras, Mark Canna, Andre Monasterio, Willie Domus, Sal Prelick, Joey Weimer. So a lot of beers being handed out. Um, uh, Weimer only got the, the two at-bats, but that big double should have been the game-winning hit, and it wasn't. Uh, through 142 uh, games, I'll give you the... the uh, top of the the leaderboard and not go to the trouble of listing off a bunch of names gspn.substack getting that out immediately uh on this fine monday uh devin williams 31 beers william Contreras with 30 christian yelich with 26 you all pimps and corbin burns with 24 hobie milner and willie adamas at 21 so that's the the 20 and above club for the master Brewer leaderboard adam do you want to talk about the baseball that will be played this week i'd love to Let's do so. The Brewers, the team that we cover, uh, will be taking on a team in the, the heat of a wild card race in the Miami Marlins. They'll be returning home to do so. American Family Field. Uh, Adam, you know what would be great? If we had the the time and the resources to be in Milwaukee for this fine series. Four games at AMFAM. I can't think of a better thing to do. In September, I assume, you know, we're not there. I assume the weather is uh, getting a little bit more manageable. None of these, like, steamy days or me getting sunburned on a Julio Tehran start. Um, I don't know. The weather was very hot, like, only a week or two ago. Also, I'm going to just come out and say I am concerned that, you know, you have made reference to if a trip could happen twice for two separate series on this podcast. And I, I don't know. I think I'm going to have to contact your wife and ask her to hide your credit card. No, I, I already had to, uh, you know, can't 
cancel a, a non-sports-related trip. Uh, and I let a friend know that yesterday. You know what I'm referring to. So I'm not going to go and then spend money on something else. That that I promise you. Uh, Monday, September 11th, 640 Central Start. Brandon Woodruff takes on Jesus Lazardo. Tuesday, September 12th, 640 Central Start. Freddie Peralta takes the mound against Edward Cabrera. Uh, my earbud is falling out of my ear. Why do I have bad ears? Uh, next game on the schedule is a Wednesday, September 13th, on the mound for yours and uh, my Brewers is going to be um, uh, Colin Ray, probably, unless uh, I guess we get some news on Adrian Hauser, but haven't heard anything about that. He'll be taking on Braxton Garrett. Then in the finale day game on Thursday, September 14th, Wade Miley takes the mound against Yuri Perez. Uh, that'll uh, wrap up a four-game series with the Marlins, and then we'll see the Marlins again later in the year. Uh, weekend series is against the Washington Nationals, a team that's not very good, but has been feisty in the second half. So, And as we well know, not a team to take lightly. Um, but yeah, 20 games left on the season, and uh, every game matters now. Um, how slash concerned or scared are you about this series? Because the Marlins have been very good lately. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. There is a, a four-game sweep of the Nationals in there, which we can discount slightly. But, hey, sweeping a four-game series is always impressive. And since then, they have won series against the Dodgers and the Phillies. Uh, so they are playing some really, really good baseball. Yeah, it's one of those things where part of you uh... – is concerned that they come in on a hot stretch, but the other part of you is wondering, okay, is this going to bounce back to some sense of normalcy? Like how good is this Marlins team? Uh, minus 46 run differential. So like is how much of this is them clicking on or how much of this is just random variance. But like you said, eight and two of their last 10 uh, in the midst of the wildcard race, I guess um, just for reference, we can take a look at that. So right now, Phillies are in that top wild card spot. Uh, Cubs are in the second spot, and then the Diamondbacks are in that third spot. Mar Marlins just a half game behind them. The Giants are one and a half games back. The Reds are one and a half games back as they've started to to find some struggles. But yeah, like the Marlins have a lot to play for, as do the Brewers, and uh, I expect them to to put up a fight. Um, I'd love three out of four. Uh, Maybe a split is in the cards. Who knows? Um, I think Brandon Woodruff getting this series started off on the right foot by doing what Brandon Woodruff does will go a lot and or do a lot into making me feel better about what the rest of the series will be. As you mentioned, uh, the Cubs go to Colorado before their uh, next date with the Snakes. Maybe we can get some uh, course field weirdness and they lose a game or two to a team that they have no business losing to. Uh, Jamison Tyon's confidence gets wrecked irreparably uh, by giving up 10 runs uh, in the getaway day game. I don't know. Lots to consider, Adam. For sure is. Let's just hope the Brewers uh, show up. Keep pace with whatever the Cubs are doing. Possibly gain a game again. Give me, give me two more series where they can gain one game on the Cubs, and I think we're almost in the clear. So, Fingers crossed. Um, exciting times. 
we'll see who comes in and out of the bullpen at what moments and what kind of pain that is that is going to give to us. But I'm feeling good. I'm feeling optimistic, Andrew. To make sure you never miss an episode of Cruising for Bruising and you hear all about that four-game series with the Marlins, subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You should also check out the rest of the GSPN shows, particularly at the moment, talking to Tundra, as you mentioned up top. Packers season has started. Packers season has started with a win. Packers season has started with a win over the Chicago Cubs. Um, I believe it was entirely... Sorry, this there's there's cross sports brain kicking in. The, the Cubs just called up uh, one of their top pop prospects, Pete Crow Armstrong, for the series this week. Uh, so it's, you know it's clouding your mind. I don't blame you. Um. Also, the Packers won with the first Irish player in the NFL in like forty years, and that's definitely you know a big factor in this. Uh, Jordan Tresky tells me the puns were booming, so that's. That's what I could take. I'm sure most of the post-game podcast uh, was devoted to Daniel Leland's leg. So for, you know, lots more on that, do make sure you check out Talk to Tundra. You should also be listening to the main feed, the Eurostep Podcast Network, home to all things Milwaukee Books, Ty and Rowan, holding that down at this time of year. And last but no means least, for more from Andrew and I, we talk movies, we talk pop culture and other things over on Make Time for This. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Bye. Thanks, Adam. <laughs>